Oh, hi everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so glad that we continue with this series um, of episodes, you know, uh, for thinkers and doers. Um, I honestly, I'm having so much fun doing this podcast. You know, this time I had the the privilege, the joy, the honor uh, to speak to Reagan uh, Sutterfield. Reagan is an amazing writer. Uh, he's also a priest in the Episcopal Church in Arkansas in the United States. And he is just, um, yeah, a delightful writer and speaker. And, and he is someone whose values and ideas truly inspire me. I hope you will be equally inspired when you hear him speak. So without further ado, Thinkers and Doers with Reagan Satterfield. Thank you for tuning in. Cheers. Bye. All right. So hello, everybody. Welcome once again uh, to Thinkers and Doers. I am particularly excited, um, you know, to have this guest, Reagan Sutterfield. I hope I'm pronouncing the name correctly. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> he has uh, joined us uh, from America, no less. So I'm so grateful and honored to have him here on the show. You know, I came across uh, Reagan, I was commenting to you earlier, you know, I came across uh, a piece that you wrote uh, about CrossFit, funny enough, in the Washington Post. Uh, so completely, let's say, by chance, uh, if there is such a thing. And I was instantly enthralled by, you know, by your writing. I loved it instantly. I, um, I, I, I there was also a challenge, it, it challenged me as well. And it just kind of, there was a couple of concepts there that I instantly thought oh yeah okay like you know they they took me further in my own thinking and and then I looked you up and I came across your some of your wonderful work so this is um <clears throat> not a long chat but I hope it will be a meaningful and a substantial one and to let our listeners uh know a little bit more about you know who you are and the work that you do and talk about some concepts that we both care about and and things like that so i'm going to start by asking how are you today and what would you like to to share with us sure you know well first of all thanks so much for connecting with me and and my, my work it's it's great to to learn about what, what you've been up to and it, it was it was good to um ex explore some of your your writings and other podcast uh, prior to this one and and glad to, glad to join the conversation that you're you're hosting here okay. so I, I it's always one of the joys of writing is to have put out these these pieces into the world and and the, and for those to continue to have some some life on on their own and and then for others to to stumble across them here and there and it, it's been some years since i i wrote that crossfit piece but i i'm curious you know you, you mentioned a couple of the the things that had caught your attention in it and, and I'm, I'm just curious what what those might have been okay i'm glad you asked because i've got it right here uh <clears throat> if you allow me here we go i copy pasted some of these quotes um yes i mean the like the sort of towards the end uh, of that article, you know, I uh, I love it when you say, um, so CrossFit, well, this I particularly sort of identify with, you know, when you say CrossFit provides a rare place of community and holistic transformation. It may not be religi religious institutionally, but CrossFit does a better job than many religious communities in transforming people's lives. It may seem strange for that, uh, for that is essentially a fitness program, but CrossFit involves an identity shift, precisely, that carries over into life well beyond, uh, well beyond the gym. You become an athlete and, and so on. Uh, and then I love this, the move beyond the narcissism of, of exercise draws people out of a focus on themselves and toward uh, something else. When people start CrossFit, they start thinking about what their bodies can achieve and stop focusing on their perceived physical flaws. Mm. Uh, this is so true. And, you know, I actually think that 
those of us, because I think it, it's it would be, let's say, um, easy to or very common to expect that you know a lot of people people want to look good basically, and they would join the CrossFit uh, a CrossFit box perhaps in the same spirit that they would join um, a gym initially, and then there is that shift uh, when it just suddenly becomes about something else, and you almost forget about yourself in the process. You're focused on yourself, but you forget about yourself. Uh, and I kind of love that because you're, you know, you're there together with other people in a competitive yet friendly environment, everyone working for a, com a common cause. And so when you wrote this, I wonder if it, maybe this is what you yourself experienced, right? Is that the case? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And because I, I, I'm someone who, you know, I, I've I've had various moments working on myself and and body image issues throughout my life and um lost quite a lot of weight uh go, going in when i when i was moving from my my 20s into my 30s and, and and had a lot of personal transformation there but what what crossfit helped with was moving away from this self-centered view and and into this way of living into the potential of my body and being interested and in, and in just seeing what what what's possible what what could my my body do but not being so focused on what my body looked like from this imagined other that's 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 looking at me but instead just experiencing my, my body in its in its fullness and um and and also I like the the way in which crossfit and in most other sports that I've found myself attracted to since then are focused on skill acquisition rather than just the burning of calories or you know that it's not this just my, my um and i've learned a lot about this from my wife i should say she she is not a crossfitter but she's a she's a swimmer and and she loves swimming and the discipline of swimming and works on perfecting her stroke and she 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 said once to a friend who was just like, "Well, I just got to I have to go to the gym and and uh, get on the treadmill and and just burn all these calories." And I hate going to the gym. And she was like, "If you hate it, don't do it. Like you you need to have something that that you love, and because only when you have something that you love will you continue to go back and and, and actually find transformation through it." And and so for for me, CrossFit was one of the first things that really clicked in that way. And, and and as I mentioned, uh, I, I don't do so much CrossFit now. I, I I still keep up with kettlebells and 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 a lot of the principles in my uh, in my athletic training. But but rock climbing is is now where I where I've put a lot of my the the available time for mm. for physical activities and and that's something that very much like CrossFit. It's this fun atmosphere that's focused on this external problem and it's not about your burning calories or anything it's just about enjoying the process and gaining skills and it and it's in that kind of friendly collegial environment where everyone's supporting one another and 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 so those kinds of atmospheres are, are certainly a safe haven in in a world that's um all all too focused on on just the in and out of calories exactly so for you i would imagine it's been a process right like um maybe you oops hello yes can you hear me oh sorry i don't know what happened here but um okay i just i lost you there for a moment uh, uh <clears throat> so yes it's been a process right uh i i i'm wondering if perhaps you even use some of the skills that you have learned in crossfit then um now in rock climbing even for example absolutely yes there's there's a lot of several several crossfitters are also at the rock climbing gym and several people at the rock climbing gym go to the crossfit box and so it's yeah exactly there's an intersection there and then you know so this is basically what i was what let's say what i easily identified with and then uh, and then just after this in your piece um <clears throat> the bit that then um challenged me a little bit more was um 
in a good way, was I'm not sure CrossFit has much to offer us in our deepest brokenness. And of course, that is more than one should expect from a workout, however transformative. CrossFit is not a religion after all. Uh, and then I love this bit here. At church, you have the lost, the, la the, the lost, the last, and the lonely, uh, Bolsuero says. These are broken people, not the shiny, high-functioning high functioning people at CrossFit. We are all both broken sinners and aspiring saints. Love that sentence. Uh, and the church, for all its faults, does better than any other organization at, at encompassing both sides of ourselves and drawing us not only to self-transcendence, but to true transcendence. And then you go on. Uh, but just before I keep reading yourself back to you, uh, <clears throat> what challenges me here is, um, I mean, the, the shiny, high-functioning people that you see at CrossFit, I mean, that is the appearance, that is the surface. Beneath, who knows, right? Uh, you know, right, right. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you have broken people there too. Like they might not look <laughs> it, really. but uh, and they are mending part of that brokenness. So what I what I find that I miss um, a lot, let's say, in the usual spheres of social life, okay, is the element of congregation which I mm. think is the element that you traditionally find in churches or in places of worship, you know, and that unfortunately, um, as some people say, you know, uh, how can I put this? In the process of becoming more individualistic or more um, or less supportive, let's say, of organized religion and so on, people kind of threw out the baby with the bathwater and, they decided, oh, we don't need congregation anymore, or we don't need worship, or we don't need God even, you know, which is obviously, well, there's so much there anyway to talk about. Uh, <clears throat> I wonder, do you think that uh, a CrossFit space, it's not openly a space for, for congregation, but I find that there is an element there of being together in a certain way Perhaps I do lack the element of worship in a higher sense, you know, in a higher, uh, let's say, in a higher power. Uh, but there is an experience of limits there, mm -hmm. or an yeah. experience of going beyond your limits that is congregational, because the support that people give each other there is very much um, unique, I find, very much. Uh, so I wonder if that is not a modern space for a congregation of sorts i wonder what you i i think i think it is i i think one of the one of the unique and and rare things about sort of a more traditional church congregation and i, I would love if you have any thoughts on on how this might be imagined outside of it but you know crossfit or my climbing gym or a, a lot of these other spaces that I think do really build community and and have a have a sense of congregation and and people accepting people where they are with their limits and and just glad for their presence that all of those things I think are a representative of a congregation but there's still a, a kind of barrier of access and mm. you know it, it it costs money and you have to have some some wherewithal just to to be part of those those circles and and one of the the unique things at least in my experience in many churches is that you can it takes no money you walk in there's no it's it's a it's a completely free experience um and 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 of course there are ways in which churches have created barriers that are that are not good and 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 certainly are things that need to be dismantled but but when I was writing that piece, I was worshiping in a in a congregation in Washington D.C. where many people who left the the homeless shelters early in the morning on Sunday mornings needed a place to go, and they would they would come down to this this church, and they were they were welcomed, and it was this unique place where people who had very deep brokenness and mind and body and 
had experienced all kinds of traumas in their life were there alongside people who were a part of CrossFit gems and, and were, you know, some of the elites in Washington, DC who were lawyers on K street or, or were diplomats working for the state department. And, and, and yet all of these people are here in this one place together sharing to, and it was always a difficult struggle, but, it, but, but to some extent they were able to share life together and share a meal together. And, and that's something that I would love to see happen in in more places than, than just church. But 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 that's the kind of thing that it's I, I think difficult for for something like CrossFit to to do. Uh, but I but I'd love if you have any thoughts on other or, or ways that might happen in, in some place like a, a CrossFit box. I mean, my, my thoughts, uh, perhaps, and I'm thinking out loud here together with you, I think it's um, more difficult nowadays to talk about these things because I think these processes are inner processes. So they mm -hmm. happen invisibly. And it's a lot about resonance, you know. So some people, they just don't resonate with the idea of going to a church or a temple. Sure. Fine, but they resonate with having, you know, a coffee or a beer or whatever with some people after CrossFit and and kind of sharing intimate mm, stories and experiences and that 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 resonates with them. And we don't know if, you know, there is that that there is an experience of congregation right there, I find, as well. Oh yeah. So uh, you know, Carolyn Mays, she says that nowadays uh, we have become the monastery uh, ourselves, like out in the world, you know, any place. And in fact, James Finley, he also has a quote that I had uh, here that I, just because I I love the quote, um, which is, if you allow me one second. Here we are. Uh, At the deepest level. It does not really matter where you seek this path because it is everywhere. So, um, so I find that, uh, of course, the church has, let's say, um, the traditional structure that is there that offers a guarantee, a guarantee. You are guaranteed to find a certain something there, right? And precisely when you're feeling yeah when you're feeling broken when you're feeling desperate or not right but you know and then and then within the church you have well different churches or different temples and with different people because i think you know a lot of people are looking for god are looking for a mystical experience are even if they don't frame it that way uh but people are Certainly, I think, collectively speaking, the pandemic has pushed people to re-examine their lives and kind of rethink, you know, where they are, where they want to be, how they want to connect with their loved ones in one way or another and, and so on. So um, I don't know. What is your, your take on that? Yeah, I, I think that there's – I think that within us – we all have this desire for wholeness and and completeness and i think earlier you you mentioned um it may have been when we were talking before recording but but this idea of saints and holiness and i i've been reflecting on that because you know in in the more traditional church calendar the we just celebrated all saints and 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 it's this chance to you know it's often associated with remembering those who have died and but but it's but it's also this this way to this time to think about who we who what what is a saint what does it mean to be a saint and and I was reading some Thomas Merton on this who of course James Finley was a was a student of, of Merton's and 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 Merton says for me to be a saint is to be myself and 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 the discovery that of, of sanctification of, of being holy which is what sainthood is all about is about finding my true self my true identity and that that's a, a process though that we we engage not not just by ourselves but by finding all of those connections and 
people and creatures and 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 even deep deeper than that 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 make us whole and and fully who we are and 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 that's what true holiness is really about and true sainthood is really about is is being living in the the fullness of these connections where we are in, in a way remembered um you know this we remember on all saints we remember all that those who've come come before us but in in a way we're we're enacting this this reality that is is the way that we come back as a, as a body as a congregation um in our in our fullness and completeness then we are remembered mm-hmm. so I, I i don't want to get too esoteric with all that but th- but that's ho- hopefully has some resonance god i i yeah absolutely i i love that i mean it's the acknowledgement that we are relationship beings in our innermost essence right that we uh <clears throat> Um, some, I think it was Marion Williamson who said this, you know, you, we don't need to ask people to believe in God. We need to ask people to believe in each other. And that is the divine experience, right? That we believe in each other, that we are there to support each other. That is ultimately what works for, you know, in our progress, uh, the, the way we bond, the way we allow the connection to have a life of its own right to manifest as an entity in its own right right with any relationship it's not what i want it's not what you want it's what the it's what the bond what the bond wants with its own intelligence right so there's a bonding element there in uh, and i wonder if it is that is that where um is 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 that kind of where 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 it's going? What, what what is the next step? Is there anything like after that, or that is it? Would you say? Well, maybe maybe a different way to. Yeah, so so I think that there's, you know, for for me, I'm 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 a I'm a Christian priest and a um, and and so so I'm coming in from that perspective. But you know, there's this. There's this idea of we, you know, I was talking about the church earlier, but that we can get hung up in thinking about the church as this place, and and in the same way, you know, if 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 CrossFit is a, if we think about it in in terms of a congregation or any other kind of group that helps people become fully who they are, and if we just think about it as the box or for a church, the the church building, then I think we're 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 missing the the true center of 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 those places and where that where the where the real wholeness is housed and and is and is happening. And in Christianity we have this idea of the the body of Christ being the the coming together of of all of the the people who um the body of Christ is made by the people who who gather together and and so so to be a part of that is to to be the sort of physical manifestation of Christ on on earth now and and there's something that's that's hard to grasp but 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 there's a way in which in in doing that we are um manifesting the divine reality in the world now and it, and it gives us this also this call to to, to live in a new and different way mm-hmm. absolutely I, it's like um i'm thinking because it's very profound um when you say live in a different way right does that that means living aware of other people's suffering for example right yeah yes yes absolutely so so and and this is it's interesting dynamic of the horizontal and the vertical um so we think of the divine as, as something where it's it's a reality that's outside of of the world um outside of this earth that is manifest here but also transcends it um 
but but at the same time there's this this horizontal plane and you know jesus was someone who pointed to you know if you want to go worship god then you better get right with your neighbor um if you if you want to serve me then you do that by caring for those who are hungry or giving water to those who are thirsty or visiting those who are who are in prison and that's how you do it that's how you relate to the the transcendental is by relating to those who are sharing this this world with you on the on the horizontal realm mm-hmm. and and it, so so it's kind of like that that quote that you you gave from Marian Williamson yeah and you know that also reminds me of uh, another kind of quote a question well the writer uh, Israeli writer Yuval Noah Harari um you know who wrote sapiens and other books he he said you know the essential question is not the essential human question is not so much where are we from or where are we going but how can we alleviate human suffering um so i love that you know that question is actually a question of everybody whether it is framed in a religious context or in a secular context it doesn't matter so much right uh, even though it, it is a religious question anyway, regardless of whether it is framed as such or not, perhaps that's what I. Um, now, what is? I mean, one certainly. Sometimes I say this to my friends. You know, uh, it's certainly a question that haunts me. You know, I think well, I've been very lucky to be free in many ways, and I keep asking myself, okay, what have I done so far with my freedom? What good has it served, right? Uh, you know, how did other people uh, benefit? Uh, how? Or, yeah, what, what can I do more by way? Because I think that is still, that's going to be the, the, the let's say, the, the big question when our time comes, you know, and, and, and we go into another dimension, right? Uh, what have we done? Mm. how would <clears throat> yes i know that you do uh some amazing work right in terms of um perhaps somewhere where we can start in terms of like you know experiencing our freedom and making it uh useful for other people's benefit and so on uh, we uh, can develop some creative practices, not just around community, but also around, let's say, farming, for example, right? The earth, the soil. Uh, I know that this is part of, it's a, it's a core part of your work as well, right? Uh, your relation, the way we relate to nature, the way we start to understand that nature is not separate, that we are part of nature, right? Um, tell me a little bit more about about that and your work uh, in that field. Sure, sure. Well, so so I'm I'm really drawn. Well, first of all, I I think that it's it's so important for us to recover our our sense of givenness that that our lives are are given, and um, that that's the way that a, a writer Wendell Berry that I that I really admire and have learned a lot from talks about it. He says we live given lives in the given world. And and so so we're part of this this gift economy, which is all about not holding on to things and and possessing them, but but joining in this this great sharing of of the the whole of creation, and and that's when we're invited into that and we and we participate, we begin to see our relationship with other creatures in in, in new and different ways. And so so what one way that that's shows up for for me is is finding an area where i can really pay attention to the um just one one part of creation because i i like the idea of icons um and 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 icons in my understanding are a way that we have an image that we look at and then it opens our our imaginations and our seeing beyond that image, so that we can see behind it into something more. And for me, I'm a bird watcher, so I love going out and looking at birds. And and when I do that, then I am 
seeing these birds that are in front of me, but I'm I'm actually seeing a window into something much greater, into the into a, a larger whole of creation that in my own finite self I can't really grasp most of the time. But I know that I'm getting this little glimpse into something grander just when I'm out watching birds. And in the same way, soil, paying attention to the soil um, is something that has been a practice of mine over the last uh, decade or so. But, and, 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 and learning about what's going on in the soil, what helps life to flourish there, and all of the different organisms that most of us will never see and, and we can't see, but I, I know are present there. And, and I know are integral to the health and wholeness of, of our planet. And, and so doing the things and actions that will help them to thrive. And, and, and so that, that's been a, an important practice for me. And so, so I, I've, I've written on some of these topics on the, a, a little pamphlet that I wrote several years ago called Farming as a Spiritual Discipline. That's, it's part of the way that we can, we can move into to those kinds of practices. Would you say that farming as a spiritual discipline should be a conscious endeavor? Or would you find that the practice itself um, gives you that spiritual dimension, even if you're not necessarily framing it in like that? I think the practice itself gives you that, but I but I think that it can be enhanced in ways mm-hmm. if if we are more conscious of it. But but yes, I, I I think that someone who's not thinking about working with the soil as as a spiritual practice, I I, I think it, it's still getting most of the the real value of that practice. Okay, so um, I would ask you: Would you like to share with us? some of uh, or read some passages from from that work that you're that you're doing sure sure so i right now i'm i'm working on a on a book called um it, it's it's not to the publisher yet so the the title may change but the art of being a creature is the meditations on humus and humility is the the subtitle but it's Love so book. in that book, I'm I'm reflecting on our fear of death and the ways that we so often separate ourselves from the the flows of, of life and death and 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 we want to separate our bodies from um decay and we're afraid of being part of these natural processes. And and so in one of the meditations, it's very short, but I but I sort of imagine what I would, if I were to write my last wishes, what what those might be, and and so I thought maybe that that would be a, a short piece just to to offer. If that would be wonderful. Okay, I'm yeah, I'm all ears. That would be all right. Well, um, so so this is uh, one of one of the meditations from the from the coming book called Last Wishes. When I die, leave me be. My body has all that it needs for its return. Enzymes in my liver and pancreas will let go and begin their work, digesting my flesh as they once digested food. Leave me as naked as you like. Wrap me in a cloth or put me in a basket woven from the branches of the black willows that grow beside the river where yellow warblers sing their sweet, sweet, sweet in the spring. There will be a feast, I'm sure. The women of the church always have cookies and sandwiches of pimento cheese ready on a platter. Those should satisfy the human guest. But the others, for the others, offer my body as a banquet, a parting gift to the creatures that have given me years of good health. Let them now feed upon the organs inside, coliform, E. coli, streptococci, and pseudonymous aragonsa, eating up my intestines, clostridia, traveling the passages of my body, feeding as they go. May they go into the world occupying other stomachs, 
carrying within them a remainder of my body. Place me in a shallow grave, one where already the dead have turned it dark with life. Smell the place. See if you can push your hand down easily. If it smells like a good garden, the scent of a forest floor, like the one I laid on as a child, watching, listening, then that is a good place. If you see the castings of worms, the earth digested in their guts by their own mix of microbes, all the better. Bury me deep enough that the coyotes won't pry, not wanting to trouble the neighbors. Give at least a few maggots a chance at the softer tissues. They could take care of more my ha than half my body in a week. Beneath the soil, the beetles will also come, especially the burrowing kind, the grave diggers of the insect world, ripping small bits of flesh and burying it with the seed of another generation. Eventually, the fungi will take their part, the subterranean decomposers, the great connectors of the soil. They will run their mycelial webs among the remains, searching for nutrients unlocked by feasting microbes and moving with them to the ends of the tree roots, to which they are fused in a continuous slink, a messy tangle parsing a question to identity. The fungi are as mysterious as ghost, invisible as a soul, but evident everywhere in the life springing from the ground. They will return my body to that life, the minor resurrection of a human being, earthling brought to life in earth. Wow. Wow. I almost don't want to qualify this with, with an adjective. I just want to leave it there and take it all in. Um, it's so, yeah. Well, thanks for letting me share that with with, with you and, and, and your listeners, Nuna. That was such a pleasure. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's strange because, um, yeah, I could imagine I think it's a it, it's a different experience when you are reading, and it's a different experience when you are being read too. Mm. Both beautiful in a different way, um, and what I got from your reading was that I was kind of there, so it was kind of I was kind of transported, right? And I was imagining precisely all that, um, all that creaturely. Uh, you know, life and adventure. Um, and there's something very adventurous. Uh, and, and I love the conviction with which you were able to, to write that, to actually look into the process, uh, sort of, you know, in the eye kind of thing and not, not look away from what people just imagine as a very dark thing or uncomfortable and actually go there, kind of go all the way. No. Okay. Impressive. In incredible. Beautifully written. So um are you expecting to publish this anytime soon? Or so my my hope is that if, if all goes well, this you know, the, the publishing process is a long one. So um I and I'm I'm wrapping up the manuscript right now, but it it should be hopefully sometime maybe around this time next fall, I, I would guess. Will will be be when it's released. I'll, I'll I'll be sure to let you know. So we've got we've got a, a little bit of time to wait. Um, yes. Now, um, I was wondering, you know, if um, I don't know if you want to read some more. I was reading, uh, and I think it's it's not related, but it is related because it, I was reading your piece on humility in your Substack mm. newsletter, uh, and. I'll, I'll just read the first paragraph, but then if you can, and if it's if it's easily accessible to you, I would love it if you read a bit more. Uh, instantly, when I read this, I was like, "Wow!" Over the past year, though, I've been reading the teachings and the teachings and stories of those desert monks, and I have to say that they have they've lovingly they've lovingly called me out over the distance of the centuries 
for my own judgmental ways. I absolutely loved that um, bridge that you uh, that you established there. Um, would you like to read a little bit from from that piece, and maybe then we can kind sure. of correlate the two? Sure. Let, let me. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll just. Maybe maybe as I'm as I'm looking for for maybe a good place to to jump jump in, um, I'll say that you know th this piece was a reflection on this parable where there's uh, two people praying in the temple and 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 Jesus points his disciples to to imagine this person who's an an outcast, uh, someone who's a tax collector who's uh, kind of despised by the the, the people for working, you know, colluding with the Roman Empire against um, against his own people, and and then and 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 then a, a Pharisee who's someone who's an upstanding kind of citizen and and very religious, and 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 so they're they're, but but the Pharisee is is self satisfied, and the tax collector knows that he's he's in need of mercy, that he he's in need of of wholeness, and and the Pharisee thinks that he's complete in himself. So, so sort of going back to our earlier conversation and uh and yeah so that the the desert fathers and mothers who who are in the third and fourth centuries of christianity um they they were they were very interested in this story because it it spoke to them and um so so i'll i'll, I'll pick up just just a little bit farther down in that in that piece what this story did for the monks was instill in them a sense of humility and mercy. It taught them that what is important in God's eyes is not our own personal sense of righteousness, but a surrender to God's goodness and love. What the tax collector knew and the monks sought to learn was that they were in deep need of God's grace. And that gift was not something they could earn or accomplish however much they fasted or however many hair shirts they wore. They meditated on their sins, not to be down on themselves, but to be open as empty vessels to be filled with God's love. The result in the lives of the desert fathers and mothers was not shame, but a kind of freedom. Shame doesn't do anyone any good. If all we get to in recognizing our sins as that we're rotten people, unworthy of any good thing, then we are still strangely stuck on the side of the Pharisee. In shame, we believe, like the Pharisee, that righteousness is something we can achieve on our own, rather than a relationship that we enter. The wisdom of the tax collector, the wisdom of the desert monastics, is that an acknowledgement of our failings, our shortcomings, is not about us. In admitting our emptiness, we are inviting God's great fulfillment in our lives. And the result is, and we are much more gentle with all those who are also struggling, all those other people who are in desperate need of God's mercy. That is stunning, I have to say. I uh, That was precisely uh, the passage that I had um, sort of copy-pasted here. I just love this idea that an acknowledgement of our own failings, our shortcomings, is not about us. So I, um, yeah, so there's like nothing of self-pity there. There's nothing, no, none of that, none of that, but allowing that. How, how I mean, it's beautifully to, to read, right? How, uh, how can we practice this? What simple, I don't want to call it a tip, but is there anything that you would like to leave our listeners with in terms of, this practice of humility, there's there's a grandeur there, right? There's a certain freedom there. Um, how can we practice this? That's a that's a good good question. You know, I, I think that one of the fundamental practices I think of, of any spiritual life is a lot of time spent in silence and and that's something that the the monks certainly spend a lot of time doing and and they they 
they emphasized always like staying in their cells, which was, you know, these little caves out in the, in the desert. And, and um, because the temptation is always to move about and, and, and what that can do for us is that when we're in silence, I think we can come to sort of settle into the truth of who we are away from all of the different kinds of mask and, and false selves that we, that we put on. And, and, and we can, sometimes not like what we encounter in that silence but if we but if we sit with it and continue with it then then some some light can come um some grace and and mercy can enter into that place too but it but it's but it's like a you know i, I like to think of the image of water you know when i was a kid there we we lived near a muddy pond and we would sometimes get it all stirred up when we were traipsing around you couldn't see anything at the bottom it was all all the silt and mud and and but then if you just stood still then all of that would settle down and you could have clarity and you know bernard of of clairvaux one of one of the great christian teachers on humility said that humility is living in the truth and what it, what it, what true humility is about it's not being down on ourselves or anything like that it's it's really just living in the truth of who we are and so so that's something that i think silence can can do a lot to to help us to move toward so so that that if if there's no other practice than spend 20 minutes a day just sitting in silence and and that will go a long way you know, uh, what, one of the reasons I ask, and perhaps we can uh, sort of start closing, uh, wrapping up uh, on, on this one, because I th it, th it seems to come in, in full circle. One of the reasons I asked this is because I actually think it's a difficult thing to do, to stay in silence if you don't cultivate that intentionally. Uh, because also when you do it, initially, as you said, you might find the things that you don't necessarily like. All the thoughts, all the stuff that necessarily comes up that has to bubble to the surface and that you have to release it but a lot of people they see that and they're like oh okay and then the, and that's perhaps maybe it's the mistake or maybe it is the way for some people uh in that way i find that crossfit for example is not a replacement for that encounter that you need to have <clears throat> with your soul basically that that's that's what it is Certainly, it can be a therapeutic practice that once the body is exhausted and you are aligned and have put the body to uses of humility as well, because I think CrossFit gives you that in a very physical way, <clears throat> then maybe you can uh, uh, go more um, receptive into that silence and be more willing and more at peace with whatever you find and actually kind of see the light in in or in, in, in the process itself. But I think it's difficult because, you know, we live in a world where we are constantly, let's say, stimulated and bombarded with stimulation from everywhere, right? Uh, <clears throat> so, and if we don't have an intentional practice of that kind, we are also bombarded with thoughts that are not our own, but are kind of like free-floating in the air somehow. Carolyn Mace calls them free radicals uh, that, you know, in a sense... Yeah, we might have some stupid thoughts that are not even our own, but maybe they're just kind of somehow circulating and, you know. So uh, to pierce through that, or at least allow that to come and to then release that silence, breath work, uh, awareness, um, and allowing God in, whatever that means to you, right? Experiment with that. Be playful with that. For me, it's actually very playful and loving, yeah. joyful experience. It's not a serious thing. And in that sense, yes. it's very organic. Uh, and earlier on, we were talking about, and that was actually something I wanted to touch on, even though we don't have a lot of time. You know, there is prayer and there is prayer. There are sort of set prayers that you have, you know, right? Uh, Jesus, Mary, all of those prayers. But um, there is also uh, organic prayer where you talk to God and there's that, that kind of direct communication and maybe that i that can be one of one of those moments where you where you talk or you listen right 
So, yeah, there, there's the there's um, you know, I, I think that most of us probably spend more time just in our day to day interactions, you know, offering little organic prayers and you know this conversation with the divine and but 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 the set prayers are, are are important too because they sometimes can open us to things that we that we wouldn't say on our own um you know i i one of my one of my big influences is um simone Weil. she was a a french mystic and she spent her life meditating on the lord's prayer um you know you don't get a more traditional set prayer than that and 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 she but she would just try to to say each line in full concentration of full attention and she found that it had a, a transformative effect on her and 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 i think also sometimes set prayers give us permission to say things like the psalms um you know they're filled with anger anger at god anger at the world they're you know their their despair all of these things that sometimes we're not given permission to to feel in our spiritual lives but yet here are the the most traditional prayers and and um the christian and and jewish traditions that are um that are giving voice to these these very human emotions and and permission and and that's that's another way that i think set prayers can be helpful but but we need it all we we, we need it all in our our lives exactly we, we need it all I'm, I'm with you and um and I, I just love the way you phrase all of this you know and uh one of the ideas that i also love that you have in that piece is well as a conclusion of that passage that you were reading is that there's an uh humility invites an approach um of gentleness rather than judgment and i love that as well you ease into the process it doesn't have to be a very sort of hard um rigid thing it's a dynamic process and you ease into it and the gentleness replaces the the judgment so it's actually a practice of let's say spiritual self-esteem right uh, uh, a very strong practice in that sense i want yeah. to thank you so much for your time um well, thank you nina this was the first time i hope it was not the last and i could talk to you for hours so i want to say thank you so much for you for your work and for coming along to thinkers and doers thank you well, well thank you so much really really enjoyed the conversation thank you all the very best and to our listeners we will catch up uh at the next episode but in the meantime enjoy this one that this was one of a kind thank you so much thank you <laughs>